This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we're talking about that it's time to get organized. And with me today, I have super organized financial planner, Kelsey Banky. <laughs> oh, I love to keep track of information. That's kind of my geeky thing that I do. <laughs> You've oh. never met a spreadsheet junkie like Kelsey Banky before. <laughs> oh, you'd be, a, you'd be amazed at what I keep track of on spreadsheets. <laughs> All right. So here's the thing is that when it comes to financial organization, this is not something that people routinely love to do. There's no doubt about it. It's kind of one of those things like if you could just sweep it all in a pile under the rug, most people would probably prefer that. But there are certain things in your financial life that are really a good idea to be organized with. And we're going to talk about what some of those are and why it's a good idea to actually go through the steps, take the time to get organized. So Kelsey, I think you had kind of a recent experience that you're aware of that was a case of not being organized and what kind of havoc that wreaked on people. Yeah, so I had a family member who one of their in-laws passed away. And um, what happened is that person that passed away unexpectedly, and he had a profession where you would have expected him to probably be more organized, but he wasn't. Um, you know, and we just never know when our last day is going to be. And so in picking up the pieces after he passed away, they really struggled. There was not any organization to what he had going on in his life financially. Um, there were people that um, thought he probably had life insurance policies. They couldn't find any of them. And this was before everything was online. Um, but probably the most interesting thing was um, they could tell because he had keys that he had storage units somewhere. Okay. Had no idea where these storage units were. Oh, man. Clue. They have no idea what's in the storage units, but they know he has these storage units somewhere. And um, with that, the the funny thing is, is the way that they figured out where the storage units were is by chance in this reasonably small town, some other person they knew bought a storage facility, like the whole storage facility, happened to see that this person's name was on one of the units and called the family and said, hey, your uncle so-and-so who just passed away, I think he has a storage unit here. And because of random chance in a small town, they were able to find where these storage units were. Yeah, what are the odds, right? Don't let that be you. Like, let's let's (laughs) leave some reasonable records. You don't have to be perfectly tidy, but let's leave some reasonable um, paper trails and records to help your loved ones in the event that you pass away fairly unexpectedly. Yeah, I mean, think about it this way. If you weren't around to tell them, then would your loved ones be able to find your most important information? And I think for most of us, the answer would be, uh, I'm not sure. They might be able to find some of it, but probably not all of it. Right. This is a really good gift that you can give to your family and your loved ones is to organize the, the important things of documents and money and things like that so that when they are put in a position that they have to handle these things for you, whether it be because you have to go into a care facility and can't handle things on your own or, you know, the end of events of your death, the last thing they want to do is to try to rifle through a bunch of stuff to sort out and look for things that may or may not even exist. Right. So encourage you to do some kind of organization with your financial documents and your accounts and your papers and all this kind of stuff that you need to have 
um, it's a wonderful gift for your family. So as not, you yeah, think about that, keep that in mind. And not to mention, it's not just about for your family either. I mean, if you get yourself organized, you're just going to feel a large weight off your shoulders. Plus, you're going to know where your information is when you have something come along where you need to get it. It is. And it can be a really daunting task. If you're one of those people that have piles and piles and piles in their office, and I know plenty of them, <laughs> it can be a really scary thing to take on. But what I can, I can tell you from my own experience is if you get yourself organized, take the time, the effort, put a little bit of money into it, maybe to, to get your, the organization just the way you want it, but get yourself organized and then keeping up with that organization isn't as big of a task right. because you've done that legwork in the front and you don't also have to do it every day. When a paper comes in the mail, you don't have to immediately file it, but you do need to be organized on what you do with it until you file it. So create some kind of system that helps keep that better for you because then when something happens, you can go right to where you know that document is and pull it out and not have to waste any time or, or effort. Now, Kelsey, one of the things that we often see people forget about organizing is their digital assets. So it used to be that everything was paper. And now we see that so much stuff is is online, whether it's websites, your passwords, accounts that are only online, bills that you only pay online. I mean, in a paperless world, you can't really count on paper (laughs) to... Create the paper trail for your loved ones right. to find if you are no longer here to help them figure this out. So how do you create a paper trail in a paperless world? Well, you know, there's lots of ways to do it. I personally like having some kind of filing, online filing system. So whatever you do, paper filing organization, you can duplicate that in an online way. Mm-hmm. Um, saving PDF documents and things like that. And here's the thing is if an old statement is saved, even if it's not the most recent, it can get the person looking for the information right. going in the right direction. So, um, but saving things electronically can be a great way to, to limit the paper you have in the house. But if you mimic the, the, the filing system you have at home to what you have online, then it can help anybody, you or your loved ones stepping in um, to find the things that they need to find. But you need to let people know where it's at because you can go through all the work to organize it. And if they have no idea where to look for it, then it was wasted effort really. So um, let that person or persons who would step in and help you, your human backup, let them know where those things are at, where they can find them, what the password to get to these documents, if it's password protected is so that that, that, uh, effort wasn't wasted. So there's really four pieces of getting your financial information organized that we want to talk about today. The first one is what to organize. The second is where to keep this that you have organized. The third is how often to update or maintain it. And the fourth piece is what to do about some level of human backup. <laughs> so <laughs> if uh, if you need somebody to help you with this, or if you need someone as a human backup to know at least the master password or the master location, how do you go about doing that in the best way possible? So Kelsey, let's start with what are some of the things that you should actually have organized, both for yourself to help yourself out, but also for your loved ones for uh, taking care of things if you unexpectedly passed away? So definitely any official documents, your marriage certificate, your birth certificate, your military documents that shows your discharge, things like that, social security cards, um, all of those kind of things need to be stored. And those 
usually are things that aren't changing. So you're not going to have to go find updates of any of those things. But nowadays, um, because of identity theft and things like that, what you might need to provide to prove you are who you say you are has gotten to be more than just, you know, you saying that I am this person. Right. So mm -hmm. um, you need to make sure you know where all those things are, copies of your driver's license, things like that. This is also really helpful if you're traveling abroad to be able to have access to those things somewhat electronically, because if your documentation that you take with you is stolen, then you can access it or somebody can access copies of those things for you and um, get them to you and help you, you know, finish up your travel um, with a little bit more ease than um, having no documentation at all. So a copy of a passport is better than no passport at all. If something has happened to yours and you're abroad. <laughs> exactly. Sure. So there's some merit to putting some of those things online. Of course, be very careful with anything you put online and protecting it and security and all of those kind of things, but that can have some merit. Um, you also need to keep, you know, old documentation, things like stock certificates you haven't cashed in or put into a brokerage account yet it's gone, it's gone. And it can be really difficult to cash in on those old life insurance policies. Um, I used to work in the uh, insurance industry at the corporate level and those companies get bought and bought and bought and bought and bought. And pretty soon it's seven companies down the line from when you bought your policy. And it can be difficult for those companies to recreate records. So anything that's still active, that is kind of before things went digital, you want to get those scanned, keep those um, in a place where you can find them. Yeah, like ideally from an insurance perspective, you really should have copies of anything insurance-wise easily identifiable. So everything from auto and homeowner's insurance, maybe umbrella insurance, you think about your disability insurance or long-term care insurance, life insurance, health insurance documentation. All of those kinds of insurances normally have declaration pages or benefits pages and things like that. And active policies that are still providing some level of benefit are definitely something to have easily accessible for people so that they can help with those things or claim benefits if benefits are due, you know, when the time arises. Absolutely. So, um, and then, you know, physical things such as keys, <laughs> just mm -hmm. start keys to a storage unit. Um, and I was just talking with another person a couple weeks ago who lost the key to their personal safe and they have no idea where it is and there's stuff in there that they want to get out. So sometimes you can drill into those easier than others, but nowadays they try to make them pretty safe for you. So keep, you know, even if it's on your phone, you have a protected thing on your phone that says this key is here and that key is where and whatever. And you can take pictures, label and take pictures of things. Um, so I, you know, keys start to look very similar. So um, there's lots of really interesting ways that you can use technology to keep track of stuff. But if you just simply leave it in your brain um, and for some reason your brain can't push that information back out, it's going to create a headache for you or somebody else down the road. Some other types of things, in addition to keys, like Kelsey was talking about, storage things, safe deposit keys, things like that, 
would be the actual information on deeds. So deeds of ownership with things, maybe the deed to your house, the title to your automobile, real estate deeds, you know, things like that. Because uh, if something happens to you and you are the sole owner of it, then someone has to go through the trouble of finding those titles or deeds in order to handle passing it down to the right person that's going to own it next in your estate planning. And so the easier you can make it to find that information, the better off that you are, or the better off that they are, I should say. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So um, in in addition to that, so that's all the things that you own, um, but you also need to keep track of things that you spend your money on as far as bills that you pay and things like that specifically things that you're paying regularly and then automatically come out of your bank account because if they need to be stopped and people don't know they exist, don't know what your passwords are, things like that, um, they could end up wasting a bunch of money on subscriptions that they couldn't get through canceling. So keep track of that kind of stuff as well. Congratulations to Mary Stirk and the team at Stirk Financial for earning a spot on two Forbes lists, Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors and Forbes Top Women in Wealth for five years running. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about that it's time to get organized, mainly with the whole focus on this being if something would happen to you unexpectedly, how will your loved ones go about taking care of what needs to be taken care of to handle all of the financial assets that you have accumulated during your lifetime? So we spent a little bit of time talking about important documents that you're going to want to gather. And then Kelsey's brought up the subject of recurring bills or things with payments. So I want to talk about that for just a minute. You know, Kelsey, what are some of the types of things that would be recurring bills or payments that uh, maybe easily come to mind and then some other things that maybe don't quite so quickly come to mind? Well, things that easily come to mind would be, you know, your regular utilities that you pay, your cable, your internet, your phone bill gas, electric, things like that. A lot of people are paying things electronically to avoid missed payments or things like that. Things that you might not, um, might be a little harder to find is if you use any kind of system like PayPal or something like that to pay for any services, then they're not as easily identifiable on any of your bank statements. You want to keep in mind um, streaming services or um, food services that deliver to you. If you have um, regular lawn maintenance done every year and you don't have a, you know, that just happens automatically. It's an arrangement you have. You'd want to make sure you pay attention to things like that. Um, There's there's all sorts of kind of things. Everybody's different. Um, But keeping track of what those are and if you have passwords, websites, things like that. Um, tracking those two so that somebody, again, can pick up, you know, where you left off and, and handle things for you. So the last things that I want to talk about in terms of what to gather really are information from your financial accounts, you know, and everybody's going to have a different amount or a different volume of financial accounts that they need to keep track of. But when you're thinking about what to keep, uh, you know, organized in your financial assets, certainly you want to keep information about investment accounts. That's going to be the first thing that comes to anybody's mind. 
Secondly, it's going to come to mind about bank accounts. So where do you bank? Where are all of your bank accounts? You know, we work with a lot of clients who bank in multiple banks, um, and some of them have more than two or three for a variety of good reasons. But if, if you don't, if people don't know where your banking relationships are, then it's going to be a little bit difficult for them to go find the money. <laughs> That's kind of an important piece of this. So banking information. You also want to make sure that you have your tax records as part of your financial data gathering. Past tax records are going to be very helpful. It's going to show who your relationship is with your current you know, accountant, but also provide that historical record of the taxation of things because your estate is going to have to file a final tax return. And so that's part of the whole after-death cycle of things that these financial records are needed for. Another thing that people don't always think about is loan documents. So if you do happen to have any loans, whether it's a mortgage or whether it's a car loan or student loan or something like that, having records of your loan documents, account numbers, didn't necessarily have to be current balances, but making sure that whatever loans have a current balance, have information in your financial organization is really important. And then lastly, from a standpoint of financial records, make sure that you have information gathered together that is going to be about revenue that you have coming in. So like what money's coming in? Is it coming from social security? Is it coming from annuities? Is it coming from uh, pensions? Is, you know, is it coming from royalties or rents or things like that? But people often forget the step of what incomes are coming in because at death, some of those should stop. And if they don't stop, then your estate gets put into a little bit of a position of a pickle where they have to pay some of that back. And that may or may not cause a hardship, but it also uh, may or may not be legal <laughs> if you keep getting a lot of money from something you're not supposed to be getting money from. <laughs> okay, so let's move into the where should you store this piece of this. So there's a couple things to think about. One is original documents that are of great value probably should be stored somewhere extremely safe. So whether it's a safe deposit box at the bank or whether it's something like a fireproof safe in your home that is too heavy for someone to easily move, something that you know provides you with a feeling that your documents are secure is something that I think is important to understand. However, copies of the documents might be something that you put into a binder or something more easily accessible for beneficiaries with a note that the originals are found somewhere that is, is more safely or securely held. Yeah, and that's where you can choose to have the online option, the binder option. I would argue there's you know valid points for both of those. There's some things that you, you should have where they can grab it and take it somewhere um, easily or you can grab it and take it somewhere easily but not everything about your financial life needs to be in a binder necessarily so um, several different choices but again whatever the mechanism to get to those those documents is whether it's a key or a password or whatever um, make sure that somebody knows where to find it because there's countless stories out there people not having any clue where the safety deposit key is or not being able to get into the safe or whatever the case may be. So make sure um, people can access that. And if you're storing something electronically, 
um, keep in mind that they, those things can be damaged. So um, if it's a physical electronic device, like a hard drive or on your computer or whatever, if there's a fire, that's toast. So what's your backup to that? Um, or are you going to keep that that hard drive in a, in a safe to keep it fire safe or whatever the case may be? So just plan for those un, unfortunate things to happen so that you're not left um, in a whole lot of trouble because you can't access any of this stuff. So. so speaking of a backup plan, we also recommend that you have some level of human backup, that you do identify the people in your life who you trust that know the location of your information. You don't necessarily have to disclose to them what your information is. They just need to know where to find it. So if you've got some quirky hiding place or if you've got a safe and you have hidden the keys somewhere specific, that person just needs to know what that information is in case of some level of emergency. So you'll probably want to share the location of the information with them and then making sure that you are clear with them if you change anything. Now, lastly, let's talk a little bit about how often this should be updated. I mean, you know, some of this stuff is a one and done type of thing, like your birth certificate or things, you know, that don't really change over time. But how often, Kelsey, should you be updating this information with loan documents, your investment information or, or insurance policy information? Well, I kind of look at it from two different perspectives. You should update it when you get something new. So if you get a new loan, if you get a new insurance policy, something like that, you should update it at the time you get it. But I'm also in favor of like an annual check or a semi-annual check to make sure that you didn't miss something or that you didn't set something aside and say, I'll deal with that next week and then forgot to go back to it. So um, I'm usually a fan of those. So you can pick, you know, the beginning of the year, a lot of people have focus of getting organized, um, or you can pick your birthday or your anniversary, or if you're um, somebody who's a teacher, you know, do it in the summer when you have some time off, but figure out what that is for you and just do a check. And really, I'm, I'm, I'm serious when I say, if you do the work one time to maintain it, isn't as big of a deal as you think it is. It could be a very short hour with a bottle of wine or something. <laughs> And power through making sure all your documents look right. I I like to file stuff in a basket. And then um, every couple of months, I go through that basket, pitch anything I don't need, scan anything that needs to be scanned, file anything that needs to be filed. Um, I don't do it every single time something comes in the mail. So whatever method you want to come up with, as long as you're doing it no less than once a year, but I would recommend at least semi-annually, then I think you'll do a good job of staying up to date on it. So to wind this all together, we've put together a uh, brochure that's called the Get It Together Checklist. So if you'd like to have a quick and easy checklist to follow of what it is that it is time to get organized with, then just reach out to us uh, via the internet at www.sterkfinancialservices.com and we'd be happy to send you the Get It Together Checklist. So we hope this has been helpful for you as you're thinking about getting organized yourself. Again, it is a beautiful gift to give to your family to make sure all these ducks are in a row. And we hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. 
no strategy can ensure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated. Neither Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated nor its representatives provide tax or legal advice. You should consult a qualified attorney or tax professional to answer your specific questions. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049 and can be reached at 605-217-3555. Forbes Best in State Wealth Advisors list includes 10 recipients per state. The award is based on qualitative and quantitative data, rating thousands of wealth advisors with a minimum of seven years of experience and weighing factors like revenue trends, assets under management, compliance records, industry experience, and best practices. The award is not based on portfolio performance or client reviews. There is no fee in exchange for rankings. Third-party rankings and recognitions are no guarantee of future investment success and do not ensure that a client or prospective client will experience a higher level of performance or results. These ratings should not be construed as an endorsement of the advisor by any client nor are they representative of any one client's evaluation.